while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon and welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is, well, most of us call her Erica Arvold, but it's really Erica Arvold. She is the founder and casting director at Arvold, small A-R-V-O-L-D. Welcome, uh, uh, Erica. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. Marcello, thank you. Okay. If I slip and call you Erica sometimes, it's just out of habit. But <laughs> Erica's fine. All I don't right. Uh, you know, initially, of course, anyone who knows anything about Erica Arvold, you know she's she's been in Charlottesville, Virginia, from Chicago, from the coast, as in California, work on major films, including Lincoln, which uh, came to um, uh, Central Virginia. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about all that, you know, Turn and, and Josephine and education of advanced to seasoned actors and outreach to teenage actors, all of that. But initially, I asked Erica to come on the show because of something I could not attend, but heard about and was so impressed with called Meals for Monologues. I think it took place in November and in Richmond, Virginia, at the Bird Theater. Is that correct, Erica? Actually, it, um, you're mostly correct. Okay. It was at Ann Chapman Casting. She ah. has an office in Richmond, and she is a collaborator of ours um, on many different projects. Yes. And the CSA, which is the Casting Society of America, mm -hmm. which is the um, Association of Professional Casting Directors yes. all over the world, um, started something a little while back um, where they wanted to give back food um, for a specific charity mm -hmm. of the casting director's choice. And instead of just asking for donations, the price to pay to do a monologue in front of a casting director, mm -hmm. which is a misnomer in itself because mm -hmm. no one should really pay a casting director to do a monologue, <laughs> but, but in this case, it's forgiven because they bring a couple cans of food or some you know non-perishable goods, and then they get to do a monologue. And it started, I believe, in Chicago, and it's been all over the United States now, and it, we did it, we held the first Mid-Atlantic one in Virginia just prior to Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks prior to Thanksgiving, and 
It was such a great turnout. We ended up with 81 actors Wonderful. and many more people came and dropped things off, which was great. Excellent. Didn't come and do a monologue. Um, as well as people even brought um, checks, donations, huh? and it blew us away. But we ended up collecting over 500 pounds of food. Wow. Which is fantastic. Yes. And, it, and, it, and we chose um, Feed More, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful organization. And they were thrilled. And it was just, it was great. And, and at the same time, we got to meet, you know, Anne and I were there, mm-hmm. as well as um, another um, casting director who's been doing extras on a couple of shows here named Kendall. Uh-huh. And we got to see some people that we either hadn't seen in a long time and it was so fun to see their monologues mm-hmm. because they had grown as actors mm-hmm. or um, or there were people that we had never met before and now we're able to people traveled from North Carolina I mean wow. there were people that traveled a far way to come to this event in Richmond so it was a great success despite the pouring rain and I mean pouring rain the uh-huh. whole day and I, I'm so impressed that everyone still came out you know <laughs> it's, yeah, it speaks well of the tenacity of our trade I think, I think, you know, truly people say a lot of things about actors that that down through the ages that have not been true. But I've always found for an audition, for uh, a good cause, actors step up to the plate as well as any profession and and stand in long lines to do so many times in all kinds of weather. I very much remember those equity calls in New York City when you arrive at 6 a.m. so you can be first in line and you end up being 15th or something. Anyway, that that's terrific. I'm so much. Meals for monologues. Is this uh, an annual thing now? Is that the plan? Well, we would love to have it next year, yes. I mean, it really was a success, and um, we we would love to continue to do it. It was it was fun on all fronts, and frankly, you know, it would be great if it, it expanded, and, you know, New York is kind of our... our um, example of what mm-hmm. we would aspire to, to do and of course the area here is not as large as New York mm-hmm. or, or established as New York actors and casting directors and agents but they had I, I mean they have it at Bernie Telsey's and there are several rooms and there are panels of people watching mm-hmm. actors and mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of actors come out but the, the fun thing is it's almost like speed monologues because yes. every person a minute and 15 seconds and their monologue can be up to a minute and then they're in and out and in and out so there's not a long time to chat and mm-hmm. so it's this it's somewhat adrenalizing which is also really fun so we just went four hours just pumped through people you know minute after minute after minute yeah it sounds grand i mean really um i want to you know we i introduced you you know, citing Charlottesville, Virginia, Central Virginia, Chicago, California. I don't think I mentioned New York, but obviously New York. But the point I wanted to make now is uh, something that all actors need to know in this 21st century. You really are now, well, you're really international, but you don't sit still very long anyway in any one location. But the point <laughs> is that the point is now there is a southeast region a mid-Atlantic region, not that they never existed, but now they, the, the, the area is linked by, of course, the Internet and the di- digital age. How does that work for actors, and how do you use it to find actors and to, and to audition them? Well, it's all 
Um, the landscape is changing, as yes. you said. Uh, absolutely, I agree with. And it is fascinating because when I lived in Los Angeles, you know, I would cast films that shot anywhere in the world because mm-hmm. Los Angeles was the hub of the infrastructure, essentially. And now that I'm on the East Coast, I was first hired really to be a location casting director, which mm-hmm. means I'm overseen by a casting director in Los Angeles, which is what I used to do, and I used to hire location casting directors. But because of technology and the great strides that it has made and the influences it has on our business, I am able to be a Los Angeles, quote unquote, casting director Mm -hmm. from Charlottesville, Virginia. So I am able on independent films and, and whatnot to hire the celebrities and the big roles as well as the, the location casting director as well to hire if they're shooting here. And that's what I love is, is working on projects that are filming on the East Coast, mm-hmm. anywhere from Atlanta to um, Maryland. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what I specialize in when I'm on location because I live here. Mm-hmm. And with technology, to your point, you know, when I am working on large shows where I'm the location casting director, I cover easily Atlanta and on, on um, certain shows I cover Atlanta all the way through New York mm-hmm. and that sometimes it even includes people, actors in New Orleans because the New Orleans actors usually working professional actors usually have homes also in Atlanta mm-hmm. so um, they're just far enough away or just close enough I should say to working within a certain union radius that's necessary to be a modified local hire. So so my scope is huge. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, from New York to Atlanta to New Orleans and everywhere in between, and that includes Kentucky and Ohio, I I just really am an East Coast casting director now when someone hires me for that. Otherwise, I'm, as you said, you know, the lead casting director on something. And I love going back and forth and doing both of those jobs. and, And I know we're concentrating on casting, but I also wanted to mention that, you know, it's really interesting because I've been producing so much. Oh, yes. I want to talk about that. Yes. Developing, you know, developing a television show and some other things that it's really made me appreciate the palette of this coast mm-hmm. because New York has its own flavor, the Mid-Atlantic has its own flavor, and the Southeast has its own flavor. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of, you know, all in between, but I feel like the Mid-Atlantic is this link between New York and the Southeast. Yes. And as time progresses, and from a producerial point of view, it's all becoming homogenized, but in a wonderful way, mm-hmm. in that everyone has access to everything. Yes. So there may be a grip in North Carolina that's zipping up to Maryland to do this job. And, you know, it's everyone's all, you know, we're all a whole, a whole bunch of, of hobos, really, or, <laughs> or in terms of, you know, Nomads. You know, we're all, we're all, what is it, um, drifters, wanderers, yes, you call yes. it, nomads. Nomads, um, yes. You know, and that's part of why I love this business, frankly, yes. because, because as you said, I don't stop moving. And, um, <laughs> but, but on the other hand, I must have an anchor and a home and you know, my family is mm-hmm. here and it's just, it's a wonderful thing. So the more I travel, the more time I spend at home. That's my, that's my solution to that ever expansion is, is it's fine. It can expand, but the other half has to expand too. And how, how, how is your family? How are things? I'm oh, wonderful. Good. wonderful. Good. So we, I know you've worn the hat of, uh, obviously, casting director and location casting director. And also, if I understand correctly, 
you were the Virginia casting director for Lincoln as opposed to the L.A. and New York casting directors. Is that the... the That's correct. Uh That's correct. There's so many different jobs. It's funny because because even, I mean, casting director can be incredibly complex, but then when you get to um, other job titles, producers, a great example is there there are only a hundred different types of producers. So casting director is a little bit a little bit simpler um, in those terms, but it is quite different. And um, you know this very well, Marcello. It's quite different than being a talent agent. Yes. And um, and a lot of times people link those two words together in my head spin. I so know, me too. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone says that word casting agent, I want to die. Yeah. Truly, it's crazy because because and here's my new analogy for it. So so if anyone is wondering why that's so different, mm-hmm. a, ca- a casting director is, is really someone who works for the production yes. and is tasked with collaborating with the director to support the creative vision of the film. Yes. So so parallel that to a judge who is, you know, representing and interpreting the Constitution of the United States, mm-hmm. right? So a judge has a very specific job to do and um, and boundaries are clearly um, indicated with Mm -hmm. that job. And then a talent agent is responsible for getting the actors that they represent jobs. Mm -hmm. So they will call casting directors or they will call, you know, even sometimes producers and directors, Mm -hmm. and they try to influence people on behalf of their clients to get their client the job. So that's akin to an attorney, whether it's a, um, you know, a prosecutor or someone the defense team, it is someone that is 100% working for their client yes. to try to get to get them in the door. So if a judge happened to be the same person that was a lawyer representing someone, mm-hmm. that is a major conflict of interest. I would think everyone would understand that or know that. And that is how um, it is, and that's how CSA, as we talked about earlier, the society yes. views, views and should view it because a casting director and a talent agent have Two different, different opposite mm-hmm. opposing things that they are protecting. So that's why my head spins when they combine into one because it's not it's, true. Um, morally wrong exactly i agree and i feel very strongly that way too and i think also for all of you actors out there listening uh it uh, it's it tells um someone like erica that you really don't know your business if you were to say something like that and i'll give you a little inside information i chuckle every time i see it when i go in so fortunate enough to audition for erica um on her form that you fill out at the audition, and it says, if you have an agent, put your agent's name in, in parentheses, it says, and Erica Arvold is not an agent. <laughs> I know. I, we had to be forced to yes. do it because unlike Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, yes. everyone understands the difference. Yes. We, we don't have... The infrastructure isn't as solid and, and doesn't have the years um, of, of constant production work that those three cities have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it may, it, this area is different. It may not. And Atlanta certainly is seeing its heyday right now. Yes. So, you know, people are getting much more educated, too. But that's one of the reasons that I'm also, in addition to, you know, obviously a producing company and a, um, or a production company and a casting company, we also have have the education company because exactly. we feel it's necessary. Yes, and that's where I was going headed too, because that it's a great segue. I, I I want to say again, I get the impression, uh, maybe Chicago is pushing it a bit, but I get the impression that uh, even though you, Erica, said uh, the southeast uh, region in which you specialize, 
sometimes, <laughs> as opposed to the yeah. world, uh, is from Atlanta, even uh, New Orleans, to Maryland. But in fact, is it not Florida, Chicago, New York, and down the East Coast? Um, yeah, oh no, I include all of those. I don't specialize in Chicago. Okay. Chicago is kind of that midway point where I don't I don't go into that territory because, okay. frankly, having come from there, there are amazing casting directors who mm. live there who know every you know person and every play, and mm-hmm. they specialize in it. It's, it's enough of a market to really do that, and that's why sometimes I'll go into New York. But you know, there are also New York casting directors that specialize in New yes. York. So, so you know, I, I dabble there sometimes. I will dabble in Chicago, but I'm or say that I am responsible for, you know, knowing all of those actors. And, okay. and sometimes I'll want to actually hire a casting director in New York or Chicago if I'm the mm. lead casting director to, to search for people. Okay. I, I know we're going to have to take a break pretty soon, but I do want to touch on, and we can always pick it up in the next segment, you mentioned the education company. There are really, yeah. at Arvold, small A-R-V-O-L-D, there is the production and uh, there is education uh, tell us about the education, because one of the things, well, I'm going to come right out and say it. I really want to talk about this in the second segment, but you are beginning to offer courses for advanced actors, seasoned actors. And it's not that you're turning your back on beginners or intermediate actors, but I always feel, the, the and I've been around a while, you never reach a point where you don't need training. And uh, having seen your work and worked with you, I would love to see something available for for actors who have who have a lot of experience but uh, you know you'd get kind of flat if you don't uh, if you're not in that classroom situation and being challenged by other actors don't you think I think acting is a practice mm. it's like lifting weights it's like a yoga practice and unless you are doing it constantly yes. you're not excelling your own gifts um, or those gifts that can be shared with other people. Mm-hmm. And if you're on, you know, a television show and you're a series regular, you're going to have a hiatus, and those people train. If yes. you're Paul Newman and you're in between um, movies, you have a theater company and you train. Yes. And the best actors and the actors I most respect train for their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And I, as a as a film artist myself, am constantly training, and I am whether it's literally reading books mm. and um, you know about being a CEO of a company or about directing or about writing. Um, I also go to you know amazing symposiums mm. and you know conferences and whatnot, and I just I think that it is something that is absolutely mandatory and a real actor in my opinion has the mindset to always want training and always want to further their craft and whatever it is and I also think there are three ways one can really assess and and I discovered this because I go to so many um, events Mm -hmm. in order to further my own craft is I always like it when I learn something new that's one way I feel like it's a successful craft of course if it's new but I also feel like if there's something that I learned early on in my career and I had temporarily put it lodged way yes. back in my mind yes, and this class reminded me of it, and I'm like, oh, yes, yes that's I right. Think that's, <laughs> I think that is absolutely successful and worthwhile to go yes. to a class for that. And then I think the third is they say something that I would have said two seconds before, and I'm like, yep, I know that. Mm-hmm. Instead of instead of what's 
tendency could be instead of saying, "Oh, I already knew that. Why did I take the class?" I think it's amazing it's, because you're confirming what you know, and exactly. you know you're on the right track. You exactly. Know? I, I, so I think a successful <laughs> class has all three of those aspects at the, at the end of it. I think that's incredible, and I couldn't agree more. Recently, I was in a class, and uh, something that uh, I know and have taught, but had forgotten, and I won't say what yeah. it was, <laughs> embarrassed myself in front of you. But the moment I saw what was on the tape, I realized, oh my goodness. I mean, the moment, I know that, I teach that. Why didn't I do that? And it's true, you, so much is uh, accumulated, it's good stuff, but you can't keep it all on the front burner maybe all the time. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. We're talking with Erica Arvold, casting director, producer. When we get back, I want to talk to her about a director hat because I think uh, from what I've seen of her, she's certainly capable of that as well. But most of all, everybody, you want to hear about a class that Erica's going to offer that, for me, I, I just love this, that I'm going to quote here, actors for actors to demystify online submission and to help them prepare their electronic materials. I have, just this year, 2015, had to go through that a number of times, and I wish I had had a class with uh, Erica. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Don't go away. This is good stuff for everybody. How an actor prepares. Stay with us. Now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Today's film is a strange confection. It is a tale of an alien who lands in the middle of a most desolate locale. But this is no outer space alien. Rather, a formidable German woman who barely speaks English and whose only possession is a suitcase containing men's clothing. Baghdad Cafe opens as Jasmine and her husband experience yet another unpleasant day while touring America. She has finally had enough and barges out of the car, stiffly dressed in rigid woolen garments in the middle of the Mojave Desert. She finds herself at the Baghdad Oil and Gas Cafe, a rundown truck stop that has itself run out of energy. The coffee maker is broken, and no one has the verb to get it fixed. Not one to settle, Jasmine sets out to revive the spirit of the place and everyone associated, including a surreal ex-Hollywood set painter hilariously played by Jack Palance. Jasmine, too, changes. Her stiff dress yields to a flowing presence, and her glued rock of hair begins to find freedom and life. Wandering refreshingly through a delightful, offbeat comedic story, Baghdad Cafe reminds us all that there is no natural law that we must simply recline and decline. Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Erika Arvold, the founder and casting director uh, also producer, educator of Arvold, that's small A-R-V-O-L-D, dot com. Though, as we were saying, in case you missed the last segment, Erica is headquartered in Charlottesville, Virginia. She really reaches out digitally and in person to a much greater area, including New York City, but primarily, as she points out, from kind of Maryland to New Orleans, Atlanta, Georgia, Florida, 
And we were about to talk about, I, I, I don't want to forget what we were talking about between segments, which is off to Florida and teaching, but I do want to touch on something that's close and dear to my heart, and that is Erica is planning larger events in the spring, like March 12th or so, I believe, for actors. Indeed. And, and I mentioned this at the end of the last segment. It's to demystify, I love that, uh, the online submissions. And, and to help them prepare their electronic materials. Those who listen have listened to the show before know that I am big on pointing out the necessity of this. I came along, you you made the rounds. You, I, I taught this as well as doing this as an actor. And, and as a director, I received this. People would make the rounds. They, they mail you a, a, a picture and resume, hard copy. They send you postcards. Well, now... You do most of that online, including your initial audition, which I had to go through not terribly long ago. That is filming myself, and then sub- now the filming part of it was easy. Submitting it uh, with something called WeTransfer. Now that's something I more or less had to learn on my own, and now Erica is going to teach all you actors how to do that. When does that happen, and what is that going to be exactly, Erica? Well, March twelfth. Mm-hmm is when it will be held. It'll be in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually a very specific event. There are many different softwares that casting directors use, Mm -hmm. but one of the industry standards is called Breakdown Services. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they have a software called Actors Access, where actors get access to submit themselves for projects that casting directors release on Actors Access. And the... um, president of Actors Access out of New York is named Tom Goff, and he will be coming to talk about and oh. show actors exactly what casting directors see on the screen, how, you know, the ins and outs of being an actor using the software, and then I will participate as well as several other casting directors from my office and some collaborators on a um, panel after Tom gives his presentation on exactly how Actors Access works, which frankly, is the primarily software that we use here mm-hmm. So at our vault. So yes. we have to, people, actors really need to to be up on their game in order to, to use it. And it is exactly, as you say, to submit auditions, to submit for being considered, um, having a photo of resume up there, possibly having a reel up on the software, et cetera. And I can access it at a moment's notice. I can mm. even just search for your name and see all your stuff and mm. get to know you as an actor. And, um, and most professional actors have this as well. Many agents require this as one of the um, softwares that, that, one of the pieces of software that an actor must use. And it's all online. It's not that it's not like Word where you have to install it on your computer. It's literally mm-hmm. just you just go to a website and it's you online. But um, but we'll talk in a panel, all of us casting professionals with the audience to talk about how we use the software. So not yes. only is it Tom explaining the the actor's access and how to navigate it and what the perks and bells and whistles are. Um, but I think that um, even more so in implementing it, you will hear from people who use it every single every day, single if day. not 10 times an hour, really. <laughs> um, 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 and it can ask questions and have a discussion about it. And so I think it's a pretty fun opportunity. And I really want to encourage people to to use the software because that's how I operate my business and sure. it, is, it is industry standard and everyone just really, frankly, if you're a real actor or a professional actor, you should absolutely have a profile. 
it, you know, and that's it. it. There's just no getting around it. The business has changed like the rest of the world. Uh, things evolve and you should want to learn new things, especially creative people. You should want to learn new things. And the reality is if you don't learn the new thing that is happening now digitally and actors access, etc., uh, we transfer. If I can learn it, anybody can. Then you're left behind. You miss out. Because as you say, the professional casting person is going to uh, a certain digital uh, platforms to find you. And if you're not there, well, how do you, how do you even get an audition, let alone work? But back, uh, one thing, I, again, I want to touch on, uh, you know, I, I, do you have plans? Have you directed? Do you have plans to direct? Because frankly, I find, um, I used to tell actors in New York when I would teach on camera work, don't expect the casting director to direct you. It's a different language. You need to go in, make a choice, give them something to see, and then they're going to tell you in their way how they want you to be different. But my experience auditioning for you, you are a director. What are your thoughts about that, and what do you have any plans, or have you already, and I don't know? Oh, well, thank you, Marcello. I mean, it's really part of why I could never, ever stop casting, I, I don't think, because I love so much being in the room and collaborating with an actor in terms of choices and, and you know, what the meaning of a scene is and where the, the you know, climax is and the arc of the character. Yes. You know, we could go on and yes. on about all of that. <laughs> Instead of just result-oriented, which, you know, I, I certainly do at times, too. But really, you know, speaking a language to an actor. And, and frankly, I do feel like I know some casting directors, and you know, and there's a there's a kind of a stereotype of someone just saying, well, no, go faster. Or, yes. you know, in, yes. in that's the kind of the, the direction. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I, I say that sometimes, um, depending on the actor, because if that's the language that the actor hears and, and responds to, then that's, that's, that's what you the, do. Jo that's yes. the job that I am there to do. Um, but... I also really think that that it is my job because when I'm in a room with a director, I can say, oh, this actor is, you know, this actor's method or this actor, you know, really is, you know, they're, they're, they've done a lot of commercials, they're result oriented, you can give them this. And I actually tell them kind of essentially it's like this actor speaks Italian, this actor speaks French, this mm -hmm. actor speaks English, this actor speaks German. I'm able to tell them in, you know, acting terms how they can um, cut to the chase and yes. converse with the actor. And so, so so, it is part of the job of the casting director to know how an actor is, is thinking and working. So yes. I'm kind of prodding during the process. But yes, I, lo I love directing as well, and I, I, I think that's part of it. I did just direct a um, very fast 24-hour um, play, and it's the first time I have ever directed anything um, on the stage except when I was eight and directed Charlie Brown's Christmas, which well, I was also Charlie Brown. Um, <laughs> Um, but um, I co-directed a commercial um, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, and that was really, really fun. And certainly, um, it's something that very much interests me. I am my comfort zone at the moment is when I'm a producer. I'm very much a creative producer. Yes, and incredibly involved with the directing um, and overseeing those creative choices. But I also feel like it's. You know, there are some incredibly seasoned directors that I very much defer to and um, and learn from constantly. So when I'm in the room directing an actor, I really am just recalling the things that I've heard directors say in all of the other rooms. And I've been very, very lucky to work with mm, some mm -hmm. incredibly well-known directors. And sure. the other day, someone said, wow, you, and I said, well, I'm just cheating, really. Yeah. All I'm doing is cheating. <laughs> or remembering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, maybe, 
maybe if I have enough kids together, maybe I can get her directing something. I, you know, I'm as you speak, I'm remembering uh, this was. I don't remember what I was auditioning for, but it was in Richmond, I believe, and I came to you. And the thing that I remember most, because I was, oh, I do remember what it was now, but I wasn't cast. But what I remember most is that I did my audition. The director was sitting. I think you were at the camera. But the director was sitting, and he asked me to do it one more time, and he made suggestions for changes, and then I did them. And the one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten, he turned to you and said, you were right, Erica. So that I know both you had said what you thought I could do, and whatever that was, and he had tried that to get me to do that, and he got it. Now, I wasn't cast, but that, that isn't the point. The point is, it was... Uh, because you never know what goes into casting, all the different needs, and and you know the, what go. And now digitally, yes, it's a the the the, the number of people involved in casting has uh, so increased. Is that not true? It's not like it's not like the casting director to a, a director or a producer, but there are numbers of different producers. Yes. Oh, yes. It I mean, it really depends on the project and even the genre. I mean, commercials yes. have a very specific kind of, you know, Russian doll. Um, everything is a kind of a Russian doll syndrome, yes. if you will, yes. Or, yes. Or, because, because there's, there's so many levels of hierarchy. And um, in television, has an incredibly different process than a feature film. And if it's a studio project, it's an incredibly different process than if it's an independent project. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare, though, that you will be in the room with the absolute decision maker yes. and I can say yes or no. Um, now for independent films with very known directors, that is the case. Mm -hmm. But that is such a small percentage of all the media that one would audition for, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about Josephine. Um, I know that was uh -huh. made in Virginia. Hickory Films, uh, Roy Feek. Indeed. 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 It's a uh, a feature film, an independent feature film that we produced, my company produced, yes. as well as I served as a producer and um, and casting director as well. And we are in the editing stages right now uh -huh. of it. And it is it takes place during the Civil War, and it's about a woman named Josephine um, who cuts off her hair and wears her husband's clothes. Oh yes, to yes. Sign up, sign up to be um, um, a uh, a soldier mm -hmm. to go find him. He's he's missing at the yes. beginning. He's 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 she's not been home for for quite some time, and so she goes to find him, mm -hmm. and so she essentially becomes a man to go find him. And and there are are thousands of cases of women that did this yes. during the Civil War, and it's just fascinating. And there are some letters that Rory found originally, and this is what inspired first a song, and then um, that inspired a, an entire feature film script that he and his um, writing partner Aaron Carnahan wrote. Mm. So we got involved, you know, fairly in in the the pre-production phase, mm -hmm. and uh, we shot in Virginia, and now it's being edited in out of Nashville. So I'm really excited to see wow. see where it lands, frankly. Yes, and and he's uh he, he has been primarily known as a songwriter, but this is uh and this is the first time uh, out as a filmmaker. Yes. Yes, indeed, it's his directorial debut Fantastic. as a filmmaker. And uh, he definitely, he's known in um, 
Rory, Joey and Rory is, is Joey's his wife, and they yeah. have um, um, several albums and are very well known in the Nashville area as well as throughout the United States for their country music. And now, uh, because I I want to make certain that um, well we won't run out of time even if we run over, uh, but uh, <laughs> there's just so much I want to make certain we get in. And the reason I do is because I I know Erica's work and I know what she has produced and cast and and now directing and and how she deals at all levels of of talent and areas at least again from Maryland to uh, New Orleans to Atlanta to Florida. So let's talk a bit about that education. You are, you've been asked to do intensives in Atlanta, Georgia, Wilmington, Delaware, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Florida. Let's start with Florida and work our way north. How about that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, overall, I am just so lucky because the process of casting and whatnot is a great um everyone knows what actors do in the business mm-hmm. and if i um and when i was in school i thought you had to be an actor or a director i didn't know there was any other job that existed mm-hmm. truly um other than an actor and a director and i think people are much more savvy now and there's access to more information about the film industry now in general especially with technology but what i love is that there is something very attractive about talking to a casting director, especially for acting programs, whether they're at universities mm-hmm. or, or colleges or private institutions or whatnot. But what I love is I get there and instead of instead of um, doing a, a typical quote-unquote workshop, which is let me see your scene and I'll give you feedback, yes. that to me is incredibly boring uh, and yes. really I find it less useful and I really want to serve those people that um, are hungry to learn Mm -hmm. because frankly, I'm going to turn around and they could solve one of my roles that I need to cast. And and why not share some information with them that can only help me in the end, which is a little self-serving, but frankly, it helps everyone. It helps the project, it helps that, et cetera. So, So I've been lucky enough to be invited to all these places and I finally am at a point with the company that I have several casting directors that work on commercials and other things and I have um, a line producer that can really helm production and so I'm able to now after five full years of, of having this company here in Charlottesville, Virginia I can um, travel and go speak and I mm. have a partner named Richard Warner um, who I speak with much of the time and we teach classes mm-hmm. and there are several things we have something specifically about one's persona that is available um, not only for actors but also for laymen and real mm-hmm. people because how great is it to know right. what what you're perceived as exactly. and that changes and how, how can you ma- manipulate that with acting, basic acting tools, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then um, I have one, or we have one called Co-Star to Guest Star and it's how do you excel your career when you're a working co-star actor, you're a professional Mm-hmm. You've got you know, two, three co-star credits, maybe more in your resume, but you want to to now branch into guest star, which is a longer arc of a character in episodes of television. Yes. Um, how does one secure that? What's the difference? And there are some profound differences. So, so that's really fun. And I've got one that I do called audition um, discovery intensive. And you know, that's when they think that they're going to come in and just do a scene, and then I give them all sorts of challenges. And, <laughs> As well, I know. (laughs) More more character development, script analyzation, and it's really, it's really fun. But really, there are other people, too, that are joining us because while I love, love 
doing this work myself. I feel like it's so needed and so received, you know, it's received, received so well mm-hmm. where we go that I have some other people that we're talking to, too, um, about joining and expanding. Mm-hmm kind of our reach because it's, it's what the area needs exactly. so we're, ha- we're happy to do it so we have before we talk about youtube <laughs> you've got videos on oh, all yeah. kinds of helpful topics tell me about the uh, cadence theater and because uh, i know oh. you you work not only with younger actors as in teenagers in particular but uh, but you also have had seminars talking to the parents of uh children in the acting profession which have been extremely yeah. helpful but what about the C- cadence theater yeah, no, it is, you're right. It's so different. I mean, adult actors are one thing, but child actors is a whole other yes. thing. And, and the parents have such, such, I mean, dedication to their children to, to cart them around and learn yes. about the business. It's amazing. I mean, it's their own career as well in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Cadence Theater um, has, under Virginia Repertory Theater, has a program called Train. Mm-hmm. And it is literally a training program for um, 12 to 18 year olds who want to be on Broadway. Mm. And they have, you know, theater and voice and movement and stage and all of this. And they have brought me in this year to teach six um, classes. I have 50 students. It's incredible. Wow. Um, and, um, and you have to audition. I was part of the auditioning process and, and saw the kids that auditioned. And they blew me away, Marcello. Mm. It's based in Richmond, Virginia. And oh, I wow. couldn't believe it because I go to New York and do these things. Yes. But I'll tell you, this, these kids are incredible. And it is such a blast. And it's so funny because they absorb everything at, you know, mm-hmm. five times the rate that adults do. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, it's true. It's just, it's like, you know, it's just so, so the first class, you know, we run around looking at each other like a cameras looking at each other and that's, it takes a lot of different senses to, to turn your eyes into cameras which DPs and cinematographers do all day long but for actors to be able to see each other like a camera lens would it takes a little bit of knowledge and practice and we do that and they just they just boom bingo you can see the light turn on mm. huh? no pun intended you know mm-hmm. like, bing bing bing, yes. bing. And, um, and whatnot but we get real specific with scene work and audition work and whatnot and on camera and how, what that difference is between theater and yes. film and yes. what what technically that is and, and the authenticity and the truth always, always remains the same in, in any genre. And, and they learn that from a young age and I, I am sure many of them will go on to Broadway and it just makes me so excited to be a part of part of their training fantastic and it's true they you know when when good teachers like yourself can reach them at such a young age it's the kind of thing even if they have to dust it off in in 20 years 30 years still it's something that's going to stick with them it's a foundation yeah well i think that the the what's interesting is is i think I think acting is a life skill in a Mm. lot of ways. And so I've even known adults who come to an acting class because they just, they want to speak publicly or there's some reason, but they end up being a whole, a more whole person when they leave because it's very much a study of humanity, really. And the study of humanity is very informative and can be taken on many different levels personally mm. and and i think it, it helps with our own you know expansion yes i used to be hired in in new york for there were a number of corporations in connecticut that would hire me to come in and and uh, work on camera with their salespeople so that they would be able to be more uh, human uh, more conversational it was but i want to we do want to run but i want to point out there are 
uh, hundreds, I'm told, of YouTube videos on topics like uh, industry awareness and definitions, but also pragmatic things like uh, advice from you about headshots, resumes, auditions, self-taping. That's got to be, you know, uh, again, I stress how important that is these days, uh, advice for child actors and their parents and so forth. So uh, these are your videos uh, that you... you, you yes, we have Arvold yeah. has a YouTube channel. It's called Arvold. Uh-huh. And we, we, indeed, we have, we have hundreds of videos. Good. And it is so exciting to me, and it's really also disconcerting because I like being on the other side of the camera. I don't mm. love being in front of the camera, although <laughs> for the purposes of education and whatnot, I have a ball, and, um, and, and getting, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with it, which is good um, for you viewers. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, But what's really fun is when people come in and audition, sometimes they say, you know, oh, we saw your video about this yeah. and that, and, and what it does ultimately, instead of them recognizing Recognizing it, that's fine. It makes them more comfortable in the room, and you know what yes. happens? They do better work. Yes, yes. Because they're not this this you know person who's going to see me audition I've never met before, or whatnot. They've happened to see you know me talk, or one of my associates, or other casting directors here at the company talk, and it's just so nice. And I realize, wow, they're really serving the process. As yes, well. yes. Tell us how. Uh, actors should communicate with you. Uh, how, when when they get a breakdown or uh, through Actors Access, they send the email to. Yeah, so there's there's a few different ways. Uh, if it's specifically an actor that would like to be considered for a project, mm-hmm. we put almost all of our casting notices on our website, mm-hmm. which is arvold.com, mm-hmm. and you just click on the four actors blue bar, and if you are. Um, um, represented by an agent, we always accept um, submissions via Breakdown Express through your agent. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of, you know, in, in the casting notices, by the way, sorry to flip back and forth, but for the casting notices on the website, mm-hmm. um, there are incredibly specific instructions on how to submit. Okay. Now, if someone is, you know, potentially wants a commercial developed or wants a web, you know, a web video or, you know, things from our production department or even to invite us to, you know, teach a class or speak at an event. I do so many speaking events. Mm. Um, um, they can always email info at arvold.com, which is I-N-F-O at arvold.com. Um, but actors will get an auto, you'll get an auto reply that says, oh no, go here if you're submitting. So, um, so that's really the best thing. And you know, it's great to be in our database in general. Yes. Um, we do access that. Um, it's called Agency Pro Software for Casting Directors, um, but that is not the only way to be considered. And we really, um, per project, expect actors to submit either via their agents or via, with themselves um, because they are the only ones who know at that time if they're available and whatnot. And, um, and it really helps our process because things this, this business, as you know, Marcello, moves uber fast. The, yes. So. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you have to be able to turn around a, a, a tape in, in 24 hours. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, Absolutely. you just have to be able to do that. And it's not an impossibility if you don't know how get with Erica in, in one of yeah, these intentions. Yeah, but not only do we, do we teach self-taping sometimes, and we've got a lot of YouTube videos on that. Because yes. You can, and you can learn from so many other people. I mean, you should. You, you know, knowledge and learning, I think, very diverse. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't always encourage people to go go find out as much information as possible but um 
sometimes when people are in town, they call us and they ask us if we can self-tape for them for a total, you know, it's a different casting mm. director, it's a different company, and we do, we'll provide, we'll provide self-taping services also um, sometimes, so we can be hired to do that um, for a visiting actor or whatnot, and it's, it's fun um, for a lot of reasons, but frankly, because I'm not casting the show, I can literally just be a coach, and it's mm. so fun, oh, you know, yes. put, on that, put on that hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the company is Arvold, small A-R-V-O-L-D, the uh, submission is uh, on the website is uh, arvold.com, and our guest today has been its founder and producer and director and casting director par excellence, Erica Arvold. Thank you so much, Erica, for being on the show. It, as always, it's incredibly energetic information and education. How's that? Thank you, Marcello. <laughs> always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Great. We'll talk soon, I hope. Take care. Okay. Best Bye-bye. of Bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Journalism is a highly respected profession, but that doesn't mean that all who practice it are respectable. These days, TV journalism can be more concerned with shock and provocation than worthwhile information. Though there certainly are those with journalistic integrity, in the world of Nightcrawler, those reporters simply don't exist. Lou Bloom is an enterprising young man, devoid of a moral compass, who stumbles into the world of crime reporting, a grisly yet lucrative business involving high-speed chases in search of the latest bloody incident. Lou's work gets him noticed by the morning news director of a local television station, who hires him on to provide more shocking footage. As Lou's business expands, the thrill of money and the taste of craved success drive him forward. Nightcrawler is a compelling indie thriller, within which writer-director Dan Gilroy, in his feature film debut, evokes the grittiness of this fly-by-night profession with low lighting and grimy visuals, setting a knife edge against which tragic action unfolds. The Oscar-nominated script is filled with quippy dialogue and scathing monologues, and Jake Gyllenhaal's performance as a deranged Lou Bloom is a true piece of acting mastery. If only there were an Oscar for creepy eye acting, Jake would have won hands down. Nightcrawler. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Gifts from Little Boy to Isis. Arguably, the greatest gifts we can give are faith in ourselves, hope for our children's future, love for all, and a knowledge of our past, which makes us wise enough not to repeat it. Both Old and New Testaments begin with boring lists of who begat whom without lascivious details or revealing selfies. So in this season of seemingly less joy to the world, may I borrow a holy template to offer some conceptual mapping from over there leftovers to OK Corral do-over. Denying the possibility that we were not invincible after all, an overwhelmed President Hoover and defeated Happy Warrior couldn't spare us October 29, 1929, nor its offspring, the Great Depression. We needed a half-full glass mindset, a broad smile, and a cigarette holder tipped heavenward for happy days are here again. 
For twelve years, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's resuscitated America with alphabet agencies defying fear, even as the greatest generation went down to the sea in ships on a date which will live in infamy. Left behind to finish, Missouri's Harry Truman harvested Einstein's atomic age and the Korean conflict, bequeathing the police action to World War II Supreme Commander Ike to divide to conquer as Commander-in-Chief Dwight D. Eisenhower. Heart attacks behind him, Eisenhower hoisted Cold War and Nikita Khrushchev onto younger shoulders, PT Vote 109 Kennedy. Gunned down after a thousand days, JFK's legacy, the Peace Corps, an isolated Cuba in a world saved from nuclear destruction, and a Texan named Lyndon. Creating Gulf of Tonkin fantasy, LBJ left behind a wall of Vietnam dead, a wounded America, and John Kennedy's Civil Rights Act for Nixon's last stand. More than the first gate, Nixon left behind an unintentionally united Vietnam and intentionally 18-minute gap in history. But for the careening Ford, an institutionalized, neoconservative, closed group of radical zealots. Neither VP nor POTUS elected, Gerald Ford left behind Nixon pardoned, and the link of Dulles Brothers to Fritz Kramer and Bush Cheney. Inheriting the malaise of elitists John Foster and Brother Allen, the Nixon hit list, and a stumbling ex-Warren Commission member too cowardly to speak assassination truth to CIA power until death did us part. Write it when I'm gone, he said. Nonetheless, President Jimmy Carter left behind Camp David Middle East peace accords between Menachem Begin and Anwar el-Sadat, and in the sands of time a failed attempt to rescue American hostages from Iran. On November 20, 1981, Rani acquired Iran's 444 days of Americans held hostage. Tricking American voters, he cast himself as the hero riding in to save the day, just moments after ascending to 40th president. Echoing the morals of a Nixon, Reagan left behind most Americans. Advancing precedent-setting Grenada to preemptive nation invasions, President Reagan, after Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall, grandstanding on the back of a pope, left behind our 99% waiting for something to trickle down. Meanwhile, mistakes were made. CIA tainted by the blood of Dallas, read my lips George H.W. Bush, presuming a twice-elected Reagan rerun, checked his watch once too often, and retired to jumping out of planes, leaving behind a stabilized Iraq in the hands of Saddam Hussein villainy, until relative neocon punched his ticket. William Jefferson Clinton was a shock and awe interruption for those determined to loop an everlasting Cold War winning refrain of the Forty Years' War. Aided and abetted by the hypocrisy of House Speaker Newt Gingrich, zealot Ken Starr, Speaker to felon Dennis Hazard, a dash of opportunism Henry Hyde, and finger-wagging Oro in the Oval, Bill Clinton managed to leave behind the possibility of finally ending World War I imperial ethnic cleansing in Bosnia, Croatia, and Kosovo. Like JFK before him, Wild Bill left America with a thriving economic surplus solidly in the black, which fatefully deposited us into the agenda of Ralph Nader and mission-accomplished Burning Bush. 
George W. Bush did his best at leaving all of us his worst. The Mushroom Cloud Gang, including, in no particular order, Rumsfeld, Cheney, Rice, Gonzalez, Yu, and etc. Perpetual War, Death and Destruction, ISIS, and Released from the Shadows, America's Pre-Trump Dark Side, Neoconservatism. No matter what holiday we celebrate, for our happy new year, understanding there are always connecting dots that dissolve the greatest lies we tell ourselves. Truth sets us free from denial so knowledge can flourish. With knowledge, wisdom is empowered to evaporate hateful discrimination. Not pageantry nor flag-waving, but reason and love parent world peace, as does admitting and correcting our past mistakes. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Music